and welcome to part two of the Cut in the Dry special on wealth here on the Life Given Radio. Uh, my name is Kit Mock. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host Isaac Lopez. So welcome. Our uh, second or third episode of 2021. Yeah. Depending on how we drop these. So yeah. <laughs> we're super organized. We yeah. know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in the last special, we discussed um, a passage from Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. If you haven't heard that... I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that before listening to this. Mm. I guess it, it might work in either order, but we're probably going to reference things from, from that recording. So yeah. I'd recommend you go ahead and listen to that. Today we're going to be jumping into um, a parable from Luke chapter 16. Mm. Um, and we're going to be discussing this in terms of uh, Christians and wealth and Christians' relationship with wealth. So... Uh, we'll try to keep this one shorter than the last one. We uh, ran a little long last special. So <laughs> we're going to get right into it. Uh, yeah. This is Luke chapter 16, uh, starting in verse 1. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management. For you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If, then, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If no, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There is so much in this passage. Yeah. Um, I want to start by just kind of going through and summarizing, and um, then I'll get into a few uh, a few points that I want to draw from okay. this parable. Um, so basically what's going on here is there's a manager who's wasting his master's possessions, mm -hmm. and he's going to get fired. And right. so he says, okay, what do I do when I get fired? I, I can't labor. Right, um, right. I don't want to be a beggar. And so he summons his master's debtors and he gives them a deal hmm. so that when he gets fired, he will have friends. So he's hmm. basically, he's being shrewd hmm. in a manner that will gain him friendships in the future. Right. He's networking. Right. Exactly. So he's saying, <laughs> you owe my master a hundred bucks, yeah. give, give him 80 and we'll, we'll call it even. <laughs> so here's what, where it gets really interesting. 
in verse eight, it says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting. That definitely caught my eye. <laughs> yeah, Do, that doesn't seem that doesn't seem right. Hmm. But um, Matthew ten sixteen. I'm just going to jump in yeah. here because Matthew ten sixteen says, "I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves." Hmm. Fascinating because. Uh, the master commended this dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And then verse eight goes on to say, for the sons of this world mm-hmm. are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And in, in, in Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples, he is sending them out like sheep mm-hmm. among wolves, right? Yeah. They are the sons of light. They are not as shrewd as the wolves. Right. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Hmm. Fascinating. And then in verse 9, Jesus goes on to say, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Um, I want to pause here and note that unrighteous wealth is also translated as mammon, um, which is kind of a derogatory term for Mm -hmm. money. Um, So I think unrighteous wealth is is a fair translation. But I want to clarify something here. And just emphasize something here because Jesus is commanding his disciples to use money. Right. But it's, it's depicted here as unrighteous wealth. Right. So the conclusion we must draw from this, that while mammon is dangerous, mm. as we see all throughout scripture, and uh, mammon is a derogatory term for money, we're commanded to use it in a shrewd manner. Mm. We're commanded to be wise with our money in order to make friends and uh, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. And here's the next thing I want to note so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So here's the bottom line. Uh, And and along with this, at the Mm. end of this passage, at the end of verse 13, you cannot serve God and money. Right. Right. Money will fail, so don't mm-hmm. serve money. Okay. Money is not your, not your God. Hmm. Serve the one and only true living God. Right. But serve God with your money. That's okay. the command of this parable. Yeah. So the command is not to shun money um, and go live like a hermit mm-hmm. in, a, in a mud hut. That's not what this passage is uh, saying. And that's, that's the mistake that a lot of Christians make. They think, ah, it's sinful for me to be mm. wealthy. I'm just going to make what I need right. and separate out my livelihood from my spiritual life. Right. I work during the week and then I go to church on Sunday. That's a mm. totally different thing. It's not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really tired of Christians making this mistake. It's not just with money. Mm-hmm. Christians make this mistake with everything. Right. It's, it's, so, it's so much easier to compartmentalize your life mm-hmm. and have your Sunday church category yeah. and your friends category and your family category and your money category and your job and your boss. And those are not categories. Mm-hmm. Everything falls under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen, brother. And so yeah. everything that you do throughout the week, right. throughout your life, ought to glorify God. Why is money the exception to that? I have no idea. No, <laughs> it's not. That's good. The bottom line is money is not an exception to this rule. Right. It ought to glorify God. Right. How you use it ought to be glorifying to God. So it follows that if that is the case, 
And if that, if Jesus is commanding us to do this, it has to be possible. Hmm. So stop trying to pretend like it isn't. It, it, it's very clear in verse 11, faithful stewardship of money is a direct hmm. command. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Right. That's a pretty, pretty hardcore statement. It is. Jesus is saying, if you're not faithful with money mm-hmm. here on earth, who will entrust to you the two true riches? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words right. because that's a really intense statement. It is. It is a direct command to faithfully steward mm-hmm. your money. You cannot separate money from what scripture has to say. You cannot right. go and make your money during the week and pretend like it has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It has everything to do with your relationship with God, just like everything else in your life. Mm. And so that's the primary reason why I wanted to discuss wealth in uh, this special is because Christians need to learn to steward their money um, as Christ commands mm-hmm. them to do. Right. There is, there is so much to this. There is A... You need to shed yourself of the assumption that money itself is evil. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind that scripture does tell us that money is dangerous, but right. money is only dangerous because of our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. So if you, are, if you are unable to master your money, and this kind of goes back to the last special, money will never serve the mind that it is not equal to it. If you are not able to master your own sinful nature, and submit yourself to Christ in how you handle your money, then yes, Hmm. you should not have a lot of money. But we're told that we ought to uh, steward our wealth in a godly manner, Hmm. all while remembering that everything we have is a gift from God. Right. One of the, I've kind of hit this on the head a few times, but I want to communicate it one more time, that this separation that, people are so apt to make Mm -hmm. between their earthly life and their spiritual life is is just a pattern of lazy mental behavior if you do this if you try to separate out your earthly life and your spiritual life your money from your relationship with god Mm -hmm. this will spread to everything that you do and what what you're actually effectively doing if you try to make these separations is you're just, you're just distancing Mm. God from your life. You're not distancing money from God. Mm -hmm. You're distancing God from your life. Mm. And that is only going to lead into a spiral of sin. You're going to use your money in an evil manner. You're not going to steward your money in a godly manner. You're more likely to end up serving money rather than serving God. Mm. If you try to separate the two, you must always keep these things conjoined. Your entire life is to glorify God. So I've kind of rambled for a bit, Isaac. I'm kind of going off on a rant. I apologize. Do you have any like clarifying questions that you'd like to ask me at this point? <laughs> um, what's the saying? Don't fix what ain't broke. Brother, you were rolling there and you were preaching. And I, I, I can only applaud that. I mean, that, that's an amen 10 times over. So very well done. Um, I, I, I had no interest in breaking up that flow so <laughs> well done uh th- 
the thing that I would like you to further clarify for me okay. is this term unrighteous wealth, mm. right? So you, you equated it with mammon, right, and which right. is just money. Right. And it's, you know, it's a very negative connotation because unrighteous, you know, obviously you need to see things in the context of the verse, right? So mm-hmm. when he's building a case, he's building an argument that leads to the conclusion in verse 13. Mm-hmm. But what does he mean by unrighteous wealth? What, what's that term? Could you kind of parse that out? Because unrighteous sounds like evil money. Right. Um, so are we supposed to deal in money that is bankrupt? Is that going to put us in a bind with evil doers? Mm. Um, do, do you, under, like, am I getting that point across for why that could be confusing? Yeah, using no, that absolutely. Term? Um, I think, um, and this is, this is resting on my own personal exegesis and... Which is flawless. I mean, never. (laughs) (laughs) And and nothing else. So take this with a grain of salt and do your own study. Yeah. But my reading of this passage, um, since Christ is commanding us, you know, there there are interlaced commands that seem confusing here. He's telling us to be shrewd with our money. Mm -hmm. Um, He's telling us to not serve money. Um, He's telling us... Uh, he's describing money as right. unrighteous wealth. Right. In, in a lot of translations, mm-hmm. it's just mammon. Okay. Um, but mammon is essentially a derogatory term mm-hmm. uh, for um, basically, well, here, I'm just going to look at what the dictionary has to say. Mammon is defined as wealth regarded as an evil influence or okay. false object of worship and devotion. Gotcha. It was taken by medieval writers as the name of the devil of covetousness and revived in this sense by Milton. So the first part of this definition is actually pretty helpful. Wealth regarded as an evil influence Mm -hmm. or false object of worship and devotion. So I think what Christ is doing here in this parable is using this word, mammon, Mm -hmm. and and describing it. But here's the kicker. He's he's also saying you cannot serve God in money. Mammon, uh, as understood by Mm -hmm. the Jews of that time, would be an idol of money, right. like the idol of wealth. Hmm. That's what mammon was to their understanding. Okay. Um, and again, remember to take this all with a grain of salt. Right. Do your own study on okay. what these words mean. But to the best of my understanding, mammon is a word to describe money as an idol. Okay. And so what Jesus is doing is he, I think he's turning it on its head and saying, no, mm-hmm. it's not an idol. Don't serve money. Right. But use it. Hmm. He's, he's telling us that money is a tool, right? I think. I think that's what he's saying. He's saying make, for yourselves, uh, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on and says, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? So he's describing using this right. as if it's a tool rather than an idol. Okay. Right. It money is not to be an idol. You are not mm. to serve money. Right. But you are to use money, just like any other tool. Mm. Um, and if you are not equal to it, you ought to be very careful. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And you might end up in a scenario where you've been given too much to handle uh, in a Christ-like manner. Okay. And so uh, at that point, you need to be speaking with elders and right. Uh, right. people who are wiser than you mm-hmm. getting help on how to do, do this. You, you don't have to do it on your own, okay. but you do have to do it faithfully. Um, 
So all that to say, I think that unrighteous wealth is, or mammon here is, he's kind of turning this understanding of money as an idol on its head and saying, right. no, don't even think about it that way. All it is is a tool, so use mm-hmm. it, be shrewd with it. So okay. does that answer your question? Uh, I think so. Yeah, it definitely sheds more clarity on it. Okay. I was wondering actually, could you, because uh, obviously we had to split this up into two different specials. Mm-hmm. So with the last one being a week ago, yeah. can you tie in maybe a summary from the passage we read from the book that we were mm-hmm. working through to what what we were just reading here in Scripture? I think you were starting to tune your conclusion to yeah. my other question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I think the easiest place to tie these two together mm-hmm. Um, and the question you just asked me is, what's going on with mammon, right? Right. And I'm, I was saying that I think it's, I think Jesus is describing it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to note that Ayn Rand has something similar to say here. Money will always remain in effect and refuse to replace you as the cause. Right. Um, money is the product of virtue, but it will not give you virtue and it will not redeem your vices. Hmm. Um, and I think she has a lot to say that's surprisingly in line with scripture because Ayn Rand's uh, code of ethics is based on money. Right. Which it's interesting to read her novels because she so often comes so close to the truth, Mm. but there's just this, this small disconnect. Right. Um, Honestly, reading through her books Mm. for any, um, for any secular um, system of ethics separated from uh, Christianity and separated from God, mm-hmm. I think she comes closest to actually creating a system of <laughs> ethics. Yeah, it's obviously never, never going to be there. Right, right. Um, and everybody has to borrow from from the one true God to create mm-hmm. any kind of ethics. But Ayn Rand comes really close. So it's it's kind of a disturbing read in a sense right. because you're seeing secular morals mm. almost work. And so it kind of messes with your head a little bit yeah. and you have to be very cautious as you read through it. But um, that that's a whole other topic that yeah. we'll have to discuss yeah. later on. Um, but another thing I want to tie together is Ayn Rand talks a little bit about... Uh, people inheriting money if they're not equal mm-hmm. to their money no man may, may be smaller than his money if an heir is equal to his money it serves him if not it destroys him mm-hmm. but you look on and cry that money corrupted him did it or did he corrupt his money and right. i think that gets back to what i was saying that jesus is describing money as a tool that christians mm-hmm. ought to use yeah right and it is not the case that money corrupts you or that right. money is this evil force hmm. that turns you bad. It yeah. is dangerous only because of our sinful nature, mm-hmm. right? You, we tend towards serving money right? because of the fact that we are sinful mm-hmm. beings. But it is not because money is a bad thing in and of itself. It's because yeah. we are bad yeah. in and of ourselves. So I think it's, it's important to make that distinction. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's all I'd like to say on that, unless you have any other thoughts. Yeah, well, no, I, I would actually like to transition to a couple 
questions here for our okay. Q&A time, if that's all right with you. Um, I'm just getting comfortable here. So don't <laughs> mind my creaking chair. It bears a lot of weight, especially after all the food I'm going to be eating over the holidays. Ah, yes. Um, I would like to push around and kind of get your thoughts on what is it like to be for Christian businessmen, Christian businesswomen to be shrewd, mm. to be cunning, to... Um, you know, be be as shrewd as a snake is definitely something that uh, has almost like that sinister connotation that we right. were discussing with wealth, uh, with mm-hmm. mammon. So what is it like? Maybe you can pull from your experience as a businessman and uh, your experience of working in a big corporation like McDonald's. Like, what does it look I like to... I tell people about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I've actually heard a lot of praise about how McDonald's as a corporation works. I mean, you you probably have thoughts on that, but just not We're getting not too far away that from Isaac. that. <laughs> not getting too far away from the question here. But how is a Christian supposed to operate as shrewd as a snake mm. in in the business world and arena? Right. Well, you can never separate "be shrewd as a snake" from the next part of the verse, "be innocent as a dove." Okay. So the first thing to note is that. Jesus is not telling us to be sneaky. Okay. He's telling us to be wise. Right. He's telling us it, there's there's nothing wrong with building a business hmm. or presenting yourself as an employee in a manner that gets you uh, more money right. or puts you in a better position financially. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Everybody has to support themselves, support their employees, right. um, provide for the wife, wife and their children. Mm-hmm. And so there's nothing wrong, and in fact, we're encouraged to uh, be wise in how we deal with our money. Mm-hmm. So, but I think the key is just not separating that from being as innocent as a dove. So Jesus is not telling us to rip off our clients. He's telling us to be insightful in mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we deal with money and how we deal with our clients um, and the the primary end of that in Luke chapter 16 is to make friends by it. Okay. So um, make friends in the sense that, right. uh, as Luke 16 puts it, when the wealth fails, those friends that you've made will receive you in mm. eternal dwellings. So you make right. friends in order to win them to Christ so that you get to spend eternity with them. Right. Um, and so, but it's all assuming that the wealth is going to fail. Right? right, because right. it's it's not the end goal. Hmm. The end goal is to make friends uh, and bring them to Christ. So hmm. the shrewdness has an end goal. Right. Um, I, I there's no indication I think in Scripture that one of those goals uh, shouldn't be making more money okay. to provide better for your family. Right. But in Luke chapter 16, the primary goal is to make friends to win them over to Christ. Hmm. Uh, so that when the wealth fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. I, I think that's good. I, I would like to tease that out with this next question for okay. you. Um, so I've, I've spoken to a lot of different small business owners mm-hmm. and people who run those businesses, and most of them are Christian mm-hmm. that I've spoken to. And it's interesting to see the different philosophies that they have when it comes to creating that business and either um, what they think is profitable. So for some businesses that are specifically Christian mm-hmm. um, or run by Christians, they, they have told me multiple times, I'm not in it for the money. You know, right. I want to bless people. Right. But then there are other Christians who I respect just as much 
who are definitely in it to create a profit for them and their family. Yeah. Now, it seems like those are two very radically different applications of Christian philosophy mm-hmm. in wealth and economics. Um, this is a really good question. Yeah. I think I have enough to give you something. Okay, and okay, yeah, no, no, keep, go for question. it. Yeah. yeah, so there are, <clears throat> there are a number of different ways to look at it. Okay. I think that, um, so let's take, for example, Kepler education. Okay. Like this is uh, by nature a business that directly is working to advance the kingdom, right? right. It's right. working to educate young Christians Mm -hmm. in a biblical manner. Right. And so in a business like that, um, and I'm I'm honestly, I'm not sure which businessmen you're talking about or if this is one of them, but my assumption would be that the people involved with Kepler are probably the type of people to say, we're not in it for the money. Mm. We're in it to bless people. Right. Right. At the same time, you can look to say Erber Auto, Mm -hmm. one of the companies I'm involved with. And, you know, our primary goal not our primary goal. Right. <laughs> our primary goal is to advance the kingdom of God. Right. right? But mm-hmm. in order to stay in business, we need to make money. Right. Right. And and so that is one of our main focuses mm. is turning a profit. But we have to do that in a manner that glorifies God. Yeah. So I think that there are businesses that kind of lean naturally towards profit okay. or towards okay. um, direct impact on mm-hmm. the kingdom. But a business like Herberato or, say, a business like Tapped hmm. also has direct impact on the kingdom in the sense right. that they are a blessing. Their employees are a okay. blessing to the people who come in and are served by them. Yeah. So we strive to be a blessing to everyone who is served by Herberato, mm-hmm. just like Joel is strives to make his business a blessing to those who come in there. So it may not be as direct of an impact as something right. like Logos School mm-hmm. or Kepler Education. But it's still the same concept. It's just uh, it necessarily is more tied to cash flow income because, right. you know, a business like Logos School, not a business, but Logos School can be supported by do- donations, right? right? But mm-hmm. Herberato can't be supported by donations. Right. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, so definitely. profit has to be a bigger focus for okay. something like an auto shop than it does for something like a school. Mm. But that the bottom line is you can't separate... Uh, your profit and your bottom line yeah. from glorifying God. They have to both be there in every decision that you make. Okay. So, well, fantastic. Amen. <laughs> um, I would like to close with this question. Okay. Uh, maybe it'll allow you to wrap up uh, okay. kind of what you've been saying in the last two specials. But when it comes to this economy in 2021, why make an argument for why uh, Christians should emphasize wealth management as a skill? Mm. Okay. Um, I I don't feel like there's an answer to that question. It's just uh, read the news. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think wealth management is always important. Mm-hmm. Our, our target audience is, you know, guys late teens to early 20s. Right. And these are the types of people who most need to be thinking about wealth management and wealth building because mm-hmm. they have the most time to do it. Right. And if they aren't thinking about it now, it's never going to happen, just like mm. we said in a couple episodes ago. So I think that particularly for those guys who mm. are in our target audience, it, it is important to be thinking about wealth management. As for this time, I don't think there's, I actually don't think there's anything specific about mm. this time that makes wealth management more important or less important. Okay. 
It's just there are different things you need to be, be thinking about now than you right. would uh, say in 2018. There are mm. different things you need to be thinking about starting out 2021 right. uh, than you would have three years ago. Mm. But the importance of wealth management as a whole, I don't think has changed whatsoever. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's going, your stewardship is going to look different, mm. but the importance of your stewardship happening hasn't changed, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So you might be thinking, need to think more about um, long-term assets that mm. are more secure now right. than you would have three years ago. Three mm. years ago might have been a good time to be more risky mm-hmm. with your money than it is now. There's more uncertainty, so you need to think more about stability. But those are right. just practical differences, not differences in terms of the importance of okay. stewarding your money as a whole. Yeah. So. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, those are great questions, Isaac. Um, we're excited for this year and what we've got coming here on the cut and the dry. Um, so thanks for tuning in on these couple episodes on wealth. They were a bit off the cuff. Didn't have really much notation, just a couple passages to read. So yeah. we hope you enjoyed that. We hope that was coherent and useful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear your questions about this on our, um, on our Discord channel. And in fact, I think we'll do another show on wealth um, based on you guys' questions in our Discord channel. So yeah. feel free to drop any questions in there and stay tuned for the next show on that. Um, we'll keep you posted. But for now, uh, for the Cut in the Dry on the Life Given Radio, this is Kip and Isaac signing off.